Because it was the pain of where I was that gave me the energy to push through the fear of taking this step forward. So, you know, hopefully your listeners don't wait until they're in a world of pain to take action. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property investor and entrepreneur Scott Kuru who came to Australia with very little at age 7, climbed his way into several corporate positions and eventually jumped into the world of property investing leading him to found three major successful companies. Before we jump into Kuru's history, he shares a little bit about what he's doing now. Yeah, look, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Freedom Property Investors. We're the largest and fastest growing community of investors in the whole entire country. And yeah, so, you know, I find myself today just taking care of over 2,000 members in the community. We've got over 200 members every single month joining the community. And really, you know, my obsession today is just helping other people take an ordinary income, 80K, 100K, 120K a year, and actually helping people to transform that into a multi-million dollar property portfolio. So, you know, I think that one of the things is that people, a lot of people can figure out how to earn good money, how to save money, how to manage money, how to get more of it, you know, get promotions at work, um, maybe even start a business and get some income going. But then people then want to know the next thing becomes, well, how do I transform that into freedom or how do I transform that into a, you know, a special lifestyle? Um, how do I how do I transform that into seven figures and more um, in terms of an asset base? So this is this is what I've um, dedicated, dedicated my life to doing to helping people. with. But where did it all begin? Yeah, been doing it for almost 10 years now. Yeah, we've got over 90 full-time staff. Um, I've got three different businesses, actually. I've got um, a tax and accounting business. We've got some of the best people. Um, you know, the person that heads that up has five years experience at the ATO. And you, you'll be surprised, you know, like once you start figuring all of this out, you go from ordinary employee. I don't want to say ordinary because people work so hard, but in terms of your tax structure and everything, things are quite simple. So you go from ordinary employee and then suddenly you become an investor. Uh, you know, there's different t- structures and things going on and the rules get very, very complicated. And so um, I-, I spent many, many years spending tens of thousands of dollars actually trying to work out this tax thing. And you go to really ultra smart people that make no sense. And then you go to dumb people and then you get all this conflicting advice and then you do courses and then you watch YouTube videos and then you get to the point where you're paying experts money and still none of it makes sense. So it took me years and years and years to make sense of it. And when I had made sense of it, um, I put together my own group of experts to, ba- to basically to do my own tax, right? And then to start helping, start helping our members. So I've got a tax and accounting, um, tax and accounting business. We're also one of the biggest mortgage brokers um, in the whole entire country as well. So um, I've got a business called uh, Freedom Home Loans. And Freedom Home Loans, we do about $100 million of home loans every single month. And um, we've got an incredible um, group of people. And really what the problem is here is that a lot of brokers out there are doing the wrong thing. 
they're doing the wrong thing. They're thinking about their commission. They're thinking about how to lock you into certain things so that they can keep getting their commission. Um, and a lot of them really don't provide a higher level of service. I mean, there are so many lenders out there that most of these so-called brokers, independent brokers, they, if you ask them, hey, how many lenders have you actually used in the last two, three years? It'll be like one lender, two lenders, maybe three. So you've got to watch out for that. And of course, the banks don't care about you. When was the last time a bank called you up and said, I've got a better offer for you? I'm talking about the bank you're with. They don't do that. When you ring them up and tell them you want to switch, now they've got all the little goodies and the cookies and all that come out. So um, I, I wanted to take control of that for myself and also for our community. So we've got our own um, mortgage brokering business. And then, of course, you know, we've got Freedom Property Investors, which is the, the, the community of investors. Um, and that's co-founded with uh, Liana Pan. She's a data scientist and an actuary. And actually, Freedom Property Investors is founded on the main thing that it's founded on is property research. So Liana is an incredible um, research guru. She's an actuary. She's a data scientist. Um, and when I met Liana, she was already a multimillionaire with property. And, um, you know, she's developed a really, really powerful way of, you know, there's 15,000 suburbs in the country of filtering all of those through. Um, you know, the other day I was looking at her, her latest methodology. She's got over 90 checks for location, over 80 checks for the property itself. So she filters all of this information through, through like algorithms. If you don't know what that is, Google it. These, you know, crazy algorithms. They look crazy when she puts them up on the whiteboard, but she goes, oh, they're pretty simple. And um, she runs all the data through them. And that really helps us to make really good, um, really, really good investment decisions. So, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's, that's really me. So what we've really done is we've created um, an ecosystem that can help people transform that salary, that income, transform that into a multi-million dollar property portfolio. And whether, whether you're just getting started, going from income to your first property, or whether you're expanding... Um, a massive portfolio as you grow through this journey, you hit different problems at different stages. So as I've gone through that journey myself and encountered a problem, I had to solve it, encountered a problem, had to solve it. So we've solved all these problems. And um, what we do now is we've got a clear path for our members. We know exactly what path they need to go through. We know exactly what problems they're going to hit. And we've got, we've, we've actually got the solution, um, the solution ready for them. Building three major companies is no small feat. What was his process? Yeah, no, it sort of went along as we were solving problems. So, um, you know, obviously it was just Liana and I um, pretty much got started um, when we founded Freedom Property Investors. It was just me and her. We had no staff and it was just it was just me and her. But we had really fast, incredible success because we were active investors. We were getting results. We only, um, we, we didn't even really set out to start um, a business tyrant. We, we just we just set out to put together a group. We had a dream and a vision. Let's put together 50 people. So if we could put together a group of 50 people, Liana's a data scientist and an actuary. She's already doing all of the research. Liana goes, all right, according to my research, let's invest here. And then if we had a group of 50 people, we could go in, look at what property, um, you know, what brand new property was being built in that area, go to the builders, go to the developers, go to the landowners. And if there's 50 of us, we could say, hey, if we take 10 lots, 15 lots, 50 lots, 
we should be able to get a discount or we should be able to get some added incentives or we should be able to boot out the traditional real estate agent out of the deal. So there's some savings there or, you know, the landowner or whoever saves some money on marketing because rather than having to spend 12 months and a whole bunch of marketing and pay a whole bunch of salespeople, um, a, a group of 50 like could, could, could come straight to them and we could do a deal. So that was our dream because we thought we want to build our own portfolio. Um, if we can save some money on the way in, use research to position in an area that's going to give us a great upside on on the way th- on the way through as we hold the property. So that's what that's what we wanted to do. And as we started to do that, it became a business. So you know, uh, it wasn't really our initial initial intention. And look, we didn't really know. We didn't know how to run it. We didn't know how to charge people. We didn't know, you know, and then it just started getting bigger. And then we were, we were, you know, working and everything like that and our jobs and everything. So eventually, you know, we just made the, the, the call, well, this can be a business um, and this can help many, many more people. And when we looked around at the people that were coming to us, a couple of things um, they said, they said, we're confused because there are so many gurus and experts and, courses and boot camps and downloads and YouTube videos. We're just confused. And um, they knew they needed, they knew property. They'd already decided they want to do a property, but a lot of them also just didn't have um, the time. So they were looking for guidance. Um, they lacked uh, time um, and, and, they just, and they just wanted help. Curie's motivation to help these people propel the business forward. We just started growing very, very, very fast. And of course, we were getting like incredible results because the research, I mean, look, talk, let, 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 let's be real, right? Go back 10, 15 years, how many properties in say Sydney or Melbourne or any major market, how many properties would you not have bought? Like you would have bought pretty much everything, even the bad ones, even the bad ones you made money. So the interesting thing is that property is very forgiving, but if you can utilize even dumb research, you can improve your result a little bit better than normal. And if you can use half good research, then your result gets even better. But if you can use really good thorough research, the chances are, I mean, no one can predict the future, but the chances are of you getting a much better than average return start to exponentially increase. And that, and that's what, that's what Liana, um, her obsession has done for us. And her dream was to have, um, you know, she might not say it like this, but you know, she, her dream was to have an army, like an army of minions, research minions, where she could crunch more numbers, do more research. And she's got that today. You know, she's got over five people um, in her research team now. After just a short conversation with Kuru, it became clear that their success was due to personal motivation and drive. Freedom Property Investors was not meant to be a business, it became one. And it became, it's, it's not a business today. Like it's our passion. It's, it's the way we connect with people. It's what gives us a sense of purpose. It's what gives us um, a challenge every day, something to, something to wake up to and, and challenge. It's the way that we um, give back and contribute. It's the way we find fulfillment. So um, it's much more than a business. But as we started growing, um, then we started running into problems. Like our members were coming back to us. Our accountant doesn't know this. Our accountant doesn't know that. Our accountant screwed that. Or we'd look at the numbers from our members and say, well, man, you have not claimed this correctly. This is not structured correctly. So we knew that we had to help them. Now, Liana and I are not licensed tax people, even though we're probably the best people to give the advice, we're not licensed to do it. So we got caught in this thing where, geez, like 
we need to tell this person what to do, but we're not allowed legally under Australian law. So then we, 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 if we refer them to another accountant, that accountant may give the wrong advice. So we decided, well, we'll, we'll build our own. Kuru and the team adapted their business to suit the needs of their members. We dig into his background and discover what started his passion for business. I think the age from zero to seven, it really shapes, it really forms you. Like my childhood really formed me. Um, I was born in a little town of about 8,000 people in New Zealand and mum and dad left that town when I was around six or seven, came over to Australia. And um, I grew up in a, the housing commission area of Liverpool, a little suburb called Miller, if, if, if anyone knows Miller. And I, you know, I went to, I went to, I went to Miller, um, Miller High School. And you know, growing up there was a really great childhood. I, I had a lot of fun. There were a lot, certainly a lot of challenges. But growing up, you know, there was always um, a lot of arguments or a lot of fear around money. And I remember being a little kid, and I remember being um, scared. I actually remember being scared that will we have food? Will, will we have somewhere to live? And like that's that's how that's how I grew up. And like that was a real thing because mom and dad always talked about money. And so, like, I became pretty obsessed with money. And, you know, what I would do is I would um, always ask my mom, can I do jobs here and there to get money, to get 20 cents, 50 cents, a dollar. Um, you know, I'd go around the house. I'd, I'd you know, be doing job. I'd be vacuuming. I'd find money down the side of the couch. i go, yep, that's mine. I won't report that in. I'll grab that. And I get all, I collect all the money that I can and I'd put that money into a money jar. And I'd put that money jar under my bed. I never spent it. I never really did anything with it. Occasionally, I'd grab it and maybe go buy some hot chips and sauce or something down at the takeaway. But I'd, but I'd, I'd put that under the bed, and it just it made me feel safe knowing that money was there. And so, like my obsession with money started really, really early. I grew up. I went to high school. Um, I, I did. I did a paper run. I love that paper run. You know, I love just collecting that money, getting that money all the coins. And when I got a note, it's like, wow, this is a note. Awesome. Put that in my money jar again. Never, never really spent it. And so that's, that's how I, that's how I grew up. I, I grew up knowing that if I had money, money meant that I had um, safety. Money meant that I had options. Money meant that I could get what I want. If I wanted something, I want that ice cream. I can get it. I don't have to ask anyone like, dad, can I have that? No, I don't have to. I can just get whatever I want, when I want, how I wanted it. I felt safe. So I loved money. I absolutely loved it, you know. And um, you know, if I wanted to buy a new record, like this is how old I am, like an old vinyl record, my, you know, I could I could go out. Driven by a deep desire to earn money at a young age, Kuru was in a position to start a family sooner than most. But things soon started to heat up. I actually had my daughter when I was nineteen, and by twenty-five, I had four kids. So it was a dream of mine always to have a big family. And then so suddenly I was thrust into this role as a provider. So to take care of my four kids, you know, my wife um, at the time didn't work. So I had to figure out how to be really, really, really good at money. Thankfully, I was good at money. And um, I wasn't really the smartest person, but I was really hungry to grow. And I was really hungry to earn money. And I was really hungry to get promotions at work. Um, and because of that, and because of really great mentors, I was so fortunate to run into people that just wanted to help me. So because of um, my hunger and because of great mentors, I was able to have a really good corporate career. So I was able to earn, um, you know, good good money. I had a 10-year career at Telstra. I um, got many promotions there. I was a, a very senior manager at Samsung for three years. 
Uh, I was a very senior manager for electronic arts, a gaming company that was a global position. Um, and then I went and did three years at NRMA. So really, really good corporate corporate roles. And I learned a lot about analysis and data and spreadsheets and, you know, decision making and negotiating skills. And those skills really help and serve our, our community today because I, I do head up most of the negotiating on, on the property deals. Um, although I'm not a data scientist and an actuary, I really resonate with Liana because I do understand numbers. I'm very good. I'm very good with data and analytics myself. So um, that's that's really um, how how my childhood shaped me. Taking a step back, Kuru and his family moved to Australia from New Zealand, but it wasn't the smoothest transition for him, being a young boy at the time. I came over here when I was about six or seven, so I really did have that um, you know Kiwiness in me. When I came over to Australia, you know, it was a foreign land. Like the language was different, people spoke different, people acted different. Um, you know, I left, I left all of my, you know, my family, my cousins, and all of that. And I come, I come over here to Australia. People sounded strange, and uh, like even, yeah, even even back in New Zealand, you know, you know, you, your friend would say, "Oh, let's go to the dairy," and um, I come over here, and people would say, "Well, let's go to the milk bar." Like, what is the milk bar? What is that? And uh, so all, all the all the term, everything was different. Um, and I and I I really I really I really miss my family. But you know, Aussies are great people. Aussies are friendly people, fun people. But one thing I had to learn about Aussies early on is that you know Aussies like to tease you. Like when they like you, Aussies tease you. Aussies bully you. You know they're bullies. So um, you know I learned over the years how to become a really good a really good teaser, a good larrikin, a good bully as well. Oh, that sounds amazing. So you obviously went to school in Australia. Whereabouts did you actually stay when you migrated to Australia? I moved to a little um, suburb called um, Miller. Now I don't know like why Dad was out there, but you know, Dad, Dad was a, um, a concreter. Um, he used to do concrete pools, and you know, my dad was not very good of money, even though he earned pretty good money. He's not good of money. Mum worked at the local RSL, so she was a, um, a waitress. A waitress there. She did odd shifts. Odd shifts there. But yeah, yeah, like growing up, there was never any money around. Um, my dad had, my dad actually had like a, a really bad gambling problem, you know, and uh, he just, you know, money that he earned never sort of found its way home. So pretty much like in our family, me, uh, my younger brother, pretty much it was my mom that would take care of us. So she'd do um, some shifts at the RSL. She'd get as many shifts as, as she could and she'd make, you know, not much money at all. But like that, that was the money that we, that we pretty much, Fed us, clothed us, paid the rent because yeah, dad, that was pretty, pretty useless, pretty useless with money. So, how did Kuru's upbringing affect his education and progression into the working world? I did finish high school. It's a good question. You know, um, I failed high school. Um, my last three years of high school, I was totally bored. I hated it. Um, I didn't hand in any assignments. I don't even know why I was there. And you know, sometimes I tell, like, I run into you know a lot of a lot of young men, especially that are just hating high school, they're in year nine, year 10. And I, I really, it sounds irresponsible, but I feel like telling them leave. Like if, if you're 15 and you can go out and get, um, and you can work and be around men and, you know, do some gro- more grown up things and, um, you know, work, earn money and learn real skills, they're probably, they're probably some, some, not all, some are probably going to be better off, better off to do that. But I was like that. I, I got really bored. I found the classrooms irrelevant. I found the information irrelevant. I used to get confused with different things. And because of that, I um, I failed. I did graduate. I got a TER, I think of 18, 18.1. 
I don't think that's very good. But it was like one of the best in my school because everyone in my school pretty much got back then they got 15 and under. That that they didn't tell you a result if you got below 15. So pretty much everyone got 15 and under. Um, I think my best friend got 80. I think he was like the only kid in the school that got anywhere near that. And I, I might have been, I don't know, third or fourth best in the whole school. So, um, you know, that like it's just that's just how I grew up. You know, I grew up in a real um, impoverished, um, poor housing commission area. Um, and a lot of the kids were going through things, you know, abuse at home and different things going on at home, drugs, alcohol. Um, you know, it was actually it was a really, really it was a tough it's tough tough location, tough location on the planet. People didn't have money. Coming up after the break, we learn about Kuru's success in his early career. Even all the businesses I was in, every department wanted me. How do I get Scott Kuru? How do I get him over to my department? And, and because I would built myself um, into that. We find out what sparked his motivation to move into property investing. And I started getting little bits of information. I started downloading ebooks. I started getting more information. My eyes started opening. We learn about what was at stake for him at the time of his first investment and how he overcame the fear of failure. And I needed something that was going to work, not maybe. Uh, I didn't want a coin flip. I didn't even want a 70 or an 80% chance. I needed something that was 100% going to work. And that's coming up next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. In spite of the adversity that Kuru faced, he's achieved a phenomenal amount in his years, including, as he mentioned, working in corporate positions for over 10 years. But how did he eventually move towards investing? I'm going along on my corporate career and, and you got to understand like I was, I was earning more money than I ever thought that I could earn and um, I had enough money to take care of the kids and you know do those sorts of things and um, you know I was on a pathway where uh, you know I'm married, I've got my four kids and I'm thinking all right what do I do and like back but you got to understand, you got to understand there's no internet, there's no internet so this is this is 1995 to 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. This is back in the day. There's no internet, right? Like there is, but there really isn't. You've got a dot 52K modem. No internet. There's no mobile phones. There's no YouTube, right? So I don't know about different courses going on. I don't know about books. You, you don't hear about them. Um, there's nowhere for me to get information. I've got no mentors, no one around me. So I'm sitting here in this bubble of just me trying to figure this thing out. And I'm sitting here, I'm going, all right, what do I do? My dad's not around. Um, I've got no no older mentors um, in, in my life. And, I, and I'm sort of sitting here, what do I do? So I'm thinking, okay, well, it makes sense to me, buy a house, um, probably makes sense to pay it off as fast as possible. I should probably spend less than what I earn and save that. And um, there's this thing called superannuation. I still remember I was around when they launched it, when they said, hey, there's this new thing coming called superannuation. I'm like, what is that? And they go, well, they give you more money. And I remember reading it going, oh, they're going to give me more money. But I'm like, yeah, but they probably won't give me a pay rise for three, four years to pay for this. So I wasn't stupid. I mean, you know, even back then without all of that. And that actually what happened, no pay rise for four or five years until they absorbed the superannuation. So. I'm, I'm thinking that's my game plan. I'm thinking, 
my other game plan is work hard, get a promotion. So I'm not thinking start a business. I'm not thinking investing. I'm thinking the pathway is buy a home, pay it off, you know, do all those things, work hard, get promotion, get promotion after promotion. So that's my game plan. So what changed and when did Kuru deviate from the plan? That's my game plan for probably 15, 16 years. Now, during that 15 to 16 years, a couple of things happened. The internet came along, mobile phones came along, um, and, and I started getting little bits of information. I started downloading eBooks. I started getting more information. My eyes started opening. Well, hold on. And then the other thing that I, that I started looking around, I started looking around and I started seeing people that were not that, because I'd built myself into this corporate machine. I'd, I'd um, you know, done my master's of business administration. I'd read all of these business books and I just, I operated at a really high level, very professional. I was hungry. I wanted the promotions. I wanted to feed my four kids. I wanted to pay my house off. So I, I became like a corporate soldier. Like I was a great, great corporate soldier. Even all the businesses I was in, every department wanted me. How do I get Scott Crew? How do I get him over to my department? And, and because I'd, I'd built myself um, into that. But I, but I looked around and I saw, I saw lazy people that had way more money than me. I saw, I saw people that really couldn't give, give anything, um, making way more money than me. And when I started scratching around and looking around, going, well, these guys are investing. You know, like this guy here takes six months off work. I'm like, what is he doing? Okay, well, he's got passive income. Like, what is that? So I figured out, you know, just through that, that um, there was another pathway and it, it, it was um, investing. So that's, that's how I really, um, that's, that's how I really, um, you know, that, that's where my journey started. Yeah. Where I sort of thought, you know, I've got to become, I've got to become, um, I've got to become an, an investor. So I started, you know, scratching around, looking around, um, digging in the property. But what, what actually happened was, I was getting so busy with the kids and, and, and different things going on. And I was so busy um, with my corporate career that like a year would go by. I hadn't done anything with my investing. Another year went by, another year went by, another year went by. Years, years and years and years went by um, before I finally got to the point where um, I'd found time to start. And I imagine if I had started way earlier, like it would just be insane. In retrospect, Kuru wishes he had made a move earlier. So, how did he make up for lost time? Eventually, when I found the time um, and I got really into it, I started doing all the boot camps. I started going to, because you know, you go to these um, seminars, right? And the music's pumping, and everyone, I'm, I'm going, everyone here's on drugs. What's going on? Why is it? Why is everyone so excited? What's going on? And then I, I'm sitting down, and someone comes up on the stage, and they're clapping, and they're you know, say yes, yes, say yes. I'm like, what's going on? And then they put up all the testimonials. This person made that money and I'm sitting there. I'm a corporate skeptic. I'm like, number one, you've got no numbers, no tables, no nothing. You haven't sought, you haven't, there's no uh, links to any sources or anything. So I'm going, this sounds like BS, but, but I started to meet real people that had real stories. And it wasn't so much the people presenting from stage. It was more the people in the audience so I was, I'm a really good networker and I would network with people, meet people and I'd ask them like, hey, do you invest it? And then they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got um, seven properties. I'm like, what the, what the heck seven? What do you do? Oh, I'm a school teacher. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm earning three times more than a school teacher. And then, then I'd meet, you know, meet someone else. Oh, I've got six properties. I've got this. I've done that. Oh, I made 500K on this deal. And I'm like, 
whoa, what the hell's going on? And I thought, hey, this is, I, I need to, I love money. I want more of it. Mm-hmm. This is real. And this is a real thing, not from what's happening on stage, but from real people. Yes, yes. So um, that's actually how I met Liana. Like I met Liana basically just attending all of these crazy, weird um you know, <laughs> amazing, amazing property, motivational, you know, yeah, high yeah. energy then, events. Don't get me wrong. Like, like they, they were good. And, um, I, I could see that, um, people were getting, um, results from these things. Um, even, even though maybe some of the things were exaggerated or, or things like that, but you know, pe- people were, were enjoying them and, pe- and di- different people were getting, getting results from them. And I met Liana there. And Liana being a data scientist and actually that caught my attention because I, I, I knew early, early on, I already knew just from my own background that there was, there was so much property to choose from. So you need a way, a methodology to actually pick the right location, the right property and pay the right price for the property. So when, when I met Liana, because we've, in my corporate career, we've got, we've got the nerds. So we've got us guys, great at Excel, great with numbers. But we've got like the we've got like actuaries in in my in my companies too that run really you know high level numbers pricing models for telecommunications, and I thought, whoa, like Liana's one of them, one of those people. You know? <laughs> they're quiet, they're quiet, they're introverted, they they seem antisocial, um, they read Harry Potter books, things yeah. like that. So <laughs> yeah, that's the typical so, actuaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they, you know, so Liana will kill me if she hears this now. Um. Yeah, that's how I met Liana and, and, you know, we formed a great friendship and that's, that's what really helped me. He shares with us the moment which sparked this change when he realized the corporate life was no longer fulfilling and he needed to act for his family. About 10 years now. So it went back about 10 years and it took me about probably two years, two and a bit years to really gather up the courage to make a move. Because what had happened, and I, I haven't, I haven't really gone into it, uh, Tyrone. But you know, I went, I did actually go through divorce in 2008. So I went through divorce. I took the care and custody of um, our four children. So it was me. I'm a single dad. I've got four kids. I've got a really heavy, demanding corporate job. I've got four kids that are a bit shaken up from everything going on. I'm trying to take care of them. My mom's sick. My mom has a mental illness. She's in and out of hospital. She's, she's probably spent about 10 years of her life in hospital, actually. She, she was having a bit of an episode at that time. And, and you know, I, I, I went through that. That actually, that actually, you know, took me about five, six years to really get the family solid, get myself solid. Um, and then it was probably around 2011, 2012. That's when I really started to um, focus in um, on the property. Because, like, I just realized it, it got to a point for me where I became sick and tired of my work. I wanted more time with my kids. Um, I was burnt out. I had no energy, and I was just on this downward spiral because I was spending, you know, four or five hours caring for the children every day. I was doing 10, 12 hours a day in my corporate job. I was staying up late at night on the laptop from 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. doing because you know when you're in these these high pressured roles, there's a, there's a lot of work to do to, to maintain maintain that position. And I was doing that, and I thought I'm sick. I just can't keep. I can't keep doing doing this. And if there are school teachers with seven properties. I need to figure that out. So, um, you know, it was around around about that time that I started um, really starting to look starting to look at property. I'd done all the boot camps. I paid for all the courses. I had DVDs and CDs and books, and I've still got a lot of them here. They're everywhere. I paid like all the money. I did all the stuff. And anything any anything your listeners see out there right now, I've done it. I did it. 
I met Liana on that. And then I, I kind of had formulated in my mind a strategy. And I wanted a strategy that was going to take me very little time because I had none, literally had none. And I needed something that was going to work. Not maybe. Uh, I didn't want a coin flip. I didn't even want a 70 or an 80% chance. I needed something that was 100% going to work. So I formulated my strategy based on that. Um, I've got little time to give it and it must work. It must. I've got to run all the numbers and it must absolutely 100% work. So I'd formulated um, that strategy. Um, I'd looked at what Liana was doing with the research. I'd done all these courses and I'd reviewed dozens and dozens of different strategies. I'd taken the best from them. I had my strategy. I had Liana's research to be able to pick the location. That was one part of the strategy. And, um, you know, I, 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 made, I, made, I made my moves. So now, now out, of, out, of, out of the divorce, I, I didn't wind up with much money. Um, and, you know, it took me all those years, you know, you know, it was very hard to manage my money during that time, just everything going on. But I had about 80 to 100 grand to make my first move. So, you know, I was very nervous. I was like, well, what if I make the wrong move? So, you know, this might be the only bullet in the gun. I've only got one shot here. So, you know, because it took so many years to save up that 80, 100 grand and so, you know, I made my first move and then, you know, just, just went, just went from there. It was a risk for Kuru to make a move during this uncertain period in his life. He details the strategy he used to ensure the likelihood of success. I had spent money on a lot of courses and all this kind of thing. And I, I look at it now and I, I probably, like I, well, I overspent, I spent, you know, way, way, way too much on that. And you know, I learned a whole lot of things about, you know, the whole industry, about courses and things like this. And, um, you know, it's not always the greatest, the greatest, it's not always the greatest industry, but, you know, um, I, I did learn some stuff, but I had to piece it together from everything that I had because there were elements in tr of truth, of really good truth in everything that I did. But ultimately the strategy that I that I did was a very low, I wanted a very low, low risk uh, strategy. So I'm earning a good income I'm paying a huge amount in tax. So that led me to brand new property. And I knew that if I had a group of friends that were buying in a certain location together, um, I could get a discount on the property on the way in, even though there's only about four or five of us like on that, on those first few deals, um, I'd make some money there, get some cash back or get, get something there. And then I knew that if I allowed um, the, the, the property and the location to do the heavy lifting, not me renovating or not me, you know, doing a development or taking big risks or, you know, do, doing things like that. Uh, Cause I didn't have the time to be out on the weekends renovating and doing, I didn't have the time to coordinate builders and whatever. I didn't, I didn't have that time. So um, if I just allowed the property and the growth of the property, the growth of that location to do um, the heavy lifting, then that, that was going to be my strategy. So I got my, I got my first uh, property um, that, that did very well. I continued to, I continued to save money. I got some equity on that property pretty quick and that allowed me to go into property too. And so I've just continued, continued to do that. Um, and then obviously, you know, I've been able to fast track my portfolio as I've turned this into a business. The business has been very successful. My income's increased. That's given me more borrowing capacity. So I've been able to go from four, five, six properties to, you know, now 17, 18, 19 properties and growing. 
he dives further into the first property he bought. I agonized over it. I had like, I guess you could say, you know, analysis paralysis because like it was it was the biggest one. And I, you know, I, I really, I really couldn't have made that move unless I had had Liana there who had already bought so many property, just giving me that like that level of reassurance. So even though I'd run the numbers, even though I'd done all the comparable sales, even though I'd agonized over all the fine details over it, probably over agonized, and I looked at it. And even though I knew logically, my mind, my brain said, this is a good buy. This is a good location. This is going to help you achieve your goals. Even though it ticked every single box, like maybe I just lacked something in my heart where I just found it really hard to push the trigger. And, you know, the biggest, I think the biggest um, lesson that I can share with people um, is that like, you know, for me just to share that vulnerability that like it was actually really a really tough decision, a big decision. And you gotta understand, I'd had a lot of failings in my life. Like, you know, my marriage had failed. That was a big thing for me. And, you know, my dream of having this really happy, big, happy family, like that had failed. So, you know, like I'd, I'd, had, I'd had some failings. At that time, because I was starting to really hate work, I was having troubles at work. I wasn't getting along with the bosses and, you know, I could see that, you know, my career had probably, you know, I felt like I'd hit a, like a plateau in my career. I couldn't push through to those next levels. I felt like I was, I was kind of capped. I felt like some bosses were holding me down in fact. So I was really good at getting results, but I wasn't really good at playing that political game, you know, to be able to get, to be able to get to that next level. So, um, I needed I needed the reassurance, and so it was just many many um, many coffees, many many lunches, many phone calls um, with Liana for her just to give me the the reassurance to do it. Um, and I still remember signing the contracts and all that kind of thing. Like it was quite it was it was nerve wracking. It was nerve wracking, but you know, like it, it almost felt like I just closed my eyes and did it. And you know what? I'll tell you, Tyrant. If I if I had been um, in a happier place. I probably would not have done it. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because it was the pain of where I was that gave me the energy to push through the fear of taking this step forward. Um, so, you know, hopefully your listeners don't wait until they're in a world of pain to take action. And like, like what, I, what I say to people now and what I see in people is that the people that are getting really big um, results um, in property, it's the people that are action takers. Are you inspired by Scott Kuru's journey so far? Don't worry, his story doesn't end there. We'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll talk about his philosophy and mindset around investing. Subconsciously, I moved from waking up every day saying, Scott, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. I moved from that to Scott, get what you want, get what you want, have success, move forward, take action. We hear about the biggest challenges he's faced over the years. It was a great property and I was maxing out on my borrowing capacity. I had like a lot of banks telling me, no, you you can't you can't get finance for this. So he shares some of his wisdom with you to help you along in your own journey. So I would rather get a five hundred thousand dollar property with no discount and get an eight or nine percent growth on it than get a five hundred thousand dollar property with a twenty five thousand dollar discount with a five percent growth on it. And that's coming up on Property Investory. See you then.